Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here alone today, so we don't have anybody in the studio or on the phone. And I'm just tickled to be back. I was in Auburn for three days at a, at a cotton pathology meeting, which was good. We, we made some really good progress. But Was it in Auburn? It was in Auburn. That's a cool town. At one of the newer buildings. Oh, yeah, and look, we were in, and I don't, I don't remember what the building's called. They call it the Kasich Building. But, you know, they train dogs at Auburn, like bomb-sniffing dogs. No, I didn't know that. And some other specialty-type animals. And they've always done I mean, they've done that since I was there. I think they've pretty much always done that. But we were in the building where they were doing some of that training, and we were outside kind of waiting on lunch yesterday, and the trainers brought the dogs over. They're like, you guys want to pet the dogs? Love on the dogs? Even though, you know, they all say, do not pet. And they were excruciatingly friendly animals. And what they said was, and this is pretty fascinating, they have a breeder associated with that program, so they breed their own dogs. Both of those animals were less than a year old, and they start training them as rapidly as three days after they're born. Wow. So you think about the amount of time and effort that goes into one of those specialty animals, and one of the ones I think they talked about was being sent to the NYPD. So you think about where those are being sent and everything else that goes into that. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. And then the people that do that. Yeah, that's a big investment just all the way around. Time and Huge. Sure financial and everything else. Investment, absolutely. And the people that do that specialty training, really important. And I'd forgotten that in the years since I'd been at Auburn. I mean, I graduated 20 years ago. Auburn's a cool town. Jason had sent me a text this morning and really wanted to focus on fall herbicide applications and then residual efficacy from those products. We dropped that episode, I guess, when we do this one, Tom, will be two weeks prior. So like the last week of September, we released the episode that I did with Tom Barber and Charlie Cahoon. And that was really ryegrass from beginning to end. I mean, we talked about the resistance that Charlie has in North Carolina with paraquat resistance. So we touched on a lot of that. And then we went through, we, we did cover fall residuals in that episode, but then we went through some post-emergence stuff as well. So I'd like to be just more specific about that timing because we're when we release this, it'll be whatever it'll be, October the 10th or something. And so we'll be getting into that sweet spot, and the weather is supposed to turn this weekend. I even saw a forecast, I think, for either Sunday morning or Monday morning. It's supposed to be a low in the 40s here. So we'll definitely be getting into the time yeah, where, I think the, next where the temperature will be right. High 70s, grass. low 80s is, is what our expectation is. At least it was the other day when I looked. I just wanted to dial in and talk about that timing because I think that's the most critical thing. And we've gotten a ton of field work done. And if you think about 2022 versus 2023, it looks really similar. We've had a dry period for an extended amount of time and don't know that it'll go as long this year at Stoneville as it went last year when we went from mid-August to almost mid-November with no rain. Uh, but we have been a number of weeks without a big rain, significant inch to two-inch-plus rain. Yeah, because what we got last night and early this morning here and north of here is 
moisture. <laughs> it, it, it's now a little moist, but it's not measurable rainfall. I mean, they were running a disc just yeah, south of Boyle when I came through there this morning. And I wouldn't doubt there wasn't dust flying. Too. There was dust yeah. coming up behind the implement, which I thought was crazy because the road was wet. Right. Um, and that has to factor into everybody's decision-making process because I think the conversation we had that preceded this was folks really need to wait and focus on a specific calendar date and not just jump right out there and make a herbicide application. We've done this over and over and over again for 15 years now. We always come back to some version of a calendar date seems to be a better way to approach it than something else. And that something else could be temperature. It could be a soil temperature. It could be a lot of things. But all things considered, and we can go through some of those all things considered if you want to, Tom. But no, I, I think talk about some of those all things considered because well, I think that's important to really preface some of the conversation about that. I mean, you, you do focus on that calendar date, but when you need to make a lot of considerations before we get to that date. So that date is the 15th of October is what we've always said. And there's nothing magic about the 15th of October the original timing work that we did, and we did it over multiple years and, and multiple locations, our timings were really just, they were months, September, October, November, December. And we tried to space them about four weeks apart in the middle part of those months. And so that's kind of where October the 15th came from. And September's too early. If you look at level of control, once you get into a post-emergence timing, so say mid-February, 1st of March, that ballpark of time maybe a little bit earlier than that, a lot of years. That's too early because that treatment has dissipated and you get new emergence of ryegrass in the fall. December for us was always too late because we just couldn't get it out. I think December would be optimal if you could get it out. And we had some land treatments in there that required mechanical cultivation, you know, to incorporate, and, and we could never do that. That was our bottleneck. We could have gone and sprayed the plots. You know, we could have done that with backpacks. Uh, but December, most years, is impractical commercially. There's either going to be water standing, or we intended to do this with a ground rig and fields wet, or you can't control what came up, depending on how early you get that first flush of ryegrass by mid-December, you might not be able to control what's already emerged in that fall flush. So that's the nature of that October the 15th date that we came up with. So I always just say latter half of October, start looking at your forecast because you know you can get that rain, that big rain can occur in the latter half of October that puts you out until sometime in the spring it'll start raining and never stop sometimes in this part of the country and not that it just continues to rain but it stays so wet that you can't do anything else right but going back to when we started this time the the all things considered i mean there's just so many things and and i'm sure i said this in that episode that we did with tom and charlie but in the springtime i feel like the progression of things is pretty similar from farm to farm because the weather's going to break and it's going to dry up, warm up, and then we're going to start. 
You know, start may be a late burn down that ends up being a pre-plant treatment, and then we plant, and then we're off and running, or we may plant and then spray, whatever it is. But it seems like everything for everybody kind of kicks off at the same time in the spring. When you get into fall, and I include anything post-harvest in this, so the treatments that may go out after corn harvest for new emergence of pigweeds, all those, all those types of treatments up into this fall residual timing that's targeting a winter weed, whether it be ryegrass or whether it just be general winter annual weed emergence. I feel like everybody's different. So, you know, maybe on your farm, you're soybeans and corn. Well, maybe I'm soybeans and rice. And then another guy's straight cotton. You know, the logistics of your farm is going to be different than the logistics of my farm from the logistics of another guy's farm. And we may have different labor resources. We may have different equipment resources. Our farm size may be identical, but the configuration of it may be vastly different. You know, you may farm over three counties and mine's all in one block. And so all those play into making this decision on some level. So if we strictly considered weed control, none of this other stuff factored in, then later is better. And and where we are right now, if the weather does indeed moderate temperature-wise the first part of next week, if we had moisture in the soil profile, we would definitely start to see some ryegrass emerge and may in places even then because there are some places that may not be quite as dry as right outside the window here at Stoneville. There's been some pockets of rain around, and there may be areas that got a little bit more last night than what we got here. But the temperature is going to be right, but there's also got to be moisture in that soil profile to germinate that wheat. And so it's a twofold germination requirement. There's probably some other things that are required too, but those are the two big ones that we can see. So where we've done our field work and we've got freshly built beds, they're rolled, they're technically ready to plant, right? But it needs to be settled before we make that herbicide application. And so then you really get into skating a line on your logistics and those things that we listed off, labor, farm configuration, all that, balanced with the weather, balanced with your expectation of control. And so all those play into when the butt's in the seat going across the field putting a treatment out. And it's going to be different for everybody. But again... If we could wait, we need a good settling rain on all the beds that we've either reshaped or or dissed down and rebuilt in the past however many weeks since we got the crop out. We need a really good settling rain on those before we put that treatment out. How much rain do you think would fit in that settling category? I mean, in my mind, an inch plus would be really beneficial at this point. It's going to vary with how much tillage was done and the soil texture and maybe, well, those two for sure. And there's probably other things that play into that as well. Was anybody waiting for a rain to do any field work? Just driving around the last two, three weeks, it doesn't look to me like anybody was. I don't think. Oh, no. Yeah. And that... 
but I have seen a tremendous amount of corn up in places that is pretty shocking that, wow, they had just enough moisture for corn to come up. When did they cut that? And it feels like they didn't cut that that long ago. Talk to us about what that potential application could look like if you make it too early. What you often see, and again, this soil texture dictates this to a degree. So if you get into like a medium texture, so maybe not so much on a a real heavy soil, they're just tighter, so to speak, to start with. If that herbicide layer is there prior to getting a good settling rain, then when that bed settles, as those soil particles move around, you basically end up with some of the herbicide that ends up below the weed seed. So that weed seed, particularly a seed like ryegrass, it's only going to germinate probably from the top half inch or so. And that may vary a little bit with texture too. But if you end up with the seed above the herbicide layer, then you're going to have ryegrass there. One way that you often see that that is the case, that that had happened to you previously, is in January, February, maybe you're scouting a field and you've got some green down the shoulders of the row. That's kind of an indication that something like that happened. Now, curiously, Tom, 2022, again, we said it stayed dry for a long time, at least right here in our area. And you know that most every field in this area got some kind of fall residual. I mean, there was no green in the fields around here all winter. But you didn't see what I just described as much last January, February, as what I would have expected based on the conversations that I had with people in October of 2022 when they really got antsy. They were done. Everybody was done. The only thing they had left to do was get their fall herbicide treatment out, and then they were done for the year. In my memory, we talked about that a lot because there was not a lot of ryegrass that was up in January or February. As much running around as we did across most of the Delta, you just didn't see as much ryegrass up. And we had warm in December last year. If you recall fall of 2021, we had whatever you want to call it, some kind of crazy Indian summer in December. I mean, when we had those yeah, it was super like warm temperatures. 85, 86 yeah. degrees for an extended period of time. And you couldn't kill ryegrass with a boat paddle that year. We had that to a much lesser degree in 2022. We had some warm weather in December, but not an extended period of it, an extended period of really high temperatures for December like we had the previous year. So every year is different, but sitting here in the first part of October and 23, it's kind of shaping up really similar to, to 2022, at least up to this point. What kind of specific products should somebody be focused on? And then with that in mind, what weeds are they attempting to control in addition to Italian ryegrass? Well, number two right now for us is henbit. Okay. No question. Horseweed, it's made a little comeback in areas in the past few years, but landscape-wise, horseweed has not been an issue for us in a while. So that would be historically the other one you'd be concerned about, particularly when you started thinking about a fall residual application. So it's going to be ryegrass and then henbit. And then we've got these other ones too 
the yellow cresses, the Virginia pepper weeds that we know less about at this point, and that's a conversation for another day. Well, and you'd say those are pretty centralized within a given geography, or at least they have been the last few years they, that they you've been out been, looking for it. Yeah, they have been. So our longtime standard now for targeting Italian ryegrass with a fall treatment has been something with metolachlor in it. So that's the dual magnum boundary, which is a premix of metolachlor and metribuzin. Those are the two, the big trade names. And then there's a ton of retail products that have either one or both of those products in them. So it can go out either as a premixed product or as a actual physical tank mixture. That has gone on more acres than anything. Zidua, and so the active in Zidua is pyroxysulfone. And Zidua is our, the longest running product that includes that. But then FMC has another number of products that go by the name Anthem. Anthem products have pyroxysulfone and rate for rate, every bit as good as Zidua on Italian ryegrass. And then on our rice acres, we have a 24C for command, and that's really the only treatment that we can use in a field that we know we're going to plant to rice the following year and have a ryegrass problem. Zidua, Dual, any of those are a no-no in front of rice. Taden Burrell, who's been working on a degree in our programs, just wrapping up, Taden's done a, a ryegrass project for us. And what one of the goals that he had was, is there another treatment that we can use in front of rice? And so the two possibilities that we looked at were warrant and outlook. Warrant is acetochlor. Warrant is a micro-encapsulated formulation. Command is a micro-encapsulated formulation. Those two capsules are different. So the, the technology that encapsulates warrant and the technology that encapsulates the active ingredient in command, they're, they're two different capsules. What we found with Warren, and we've done, we've done this years ago, and then we've tried it again, evidently, and I don't have the data on the chemistry on this, but just watching it in the field, evidently that capsule does not break down quickly enough in the field, in our environment in the fall, to be a good treatment on ryegrass. If I go spray harness, which is a EC formulation of acetochlor, which is the same active as in warrant, acetochlor is great as harness. It's bad as warrant. So it's got to be in that formulation. On the label, you can plant rice. The, the label says following year after warrant. So that's why we were interested in that. I don't think that's going to work. Uh, we just don't. We don't. The, the ryegrass control is poor at best. The other one was Outlook. All right, on the Outlook label, it says six to nine months prior to planting rice, and that six to nine is dependent on the rate. Outlook did really good for us on ryegrass. This time we evaluated. We had looked at Outlook way back when, when we were just shotgunning products and, and looking at them, and it was kind of, it was good but not great. So it was in like the second group behind the, the Zidua's and the duels and the commands. And two, way back then, there wasn't any outlook in circulation around here. And now we have more product around. Still not ready to say, yeah, you can put Outlook out and then plant rice into it. I don't, 
I'm I'm not that comfortable with it. But as a ryegrass product, it's great. And I haven't read the label to know if if that's actually a, a legal treatment for a fall application. Now, if you consider everything that you just unpacked there, is the, those would be mostly broad treatments to manage those weeds, and you don't necessarily have to be concerned about crop that's going in the, sea, in the field in 2024. Or is there anything other than the rice exception to well, really key on? All right, well, so we described the rice, and then the other concern would be cotton with anything that includes metribuzin. So it's eight months to cotton. You're pretty much out on that. The other thing that I didn't really describe, Tom, was the other weeds. Okay. When you asked that, that made me think of it. So you take a product like Dual, it's going to be good on ryegrass, assuming it gets incorporated appropriately, and it's going to be fair on henbit. If you just have ryegrass and henbit in the field, which you don't, but just for the sake of argument, those two species are going to be the main ones, it's going to break on the henbit before it breaks on the ryegrass. All right. Conversely, Valor, we've been putting out Valor in the fall for decades now, literally. Valor's not bad on ryegrass. You're not going to go put Valor in a field where you have a ryegrass problem for ryegrass, but you put it around the outside of a field, and you'll definitely be able to see the difference if there's ryegrass present. But similar to dual breaking early on the hen bit, Valor will break early on the ryegrass. And so those two together are a great treatment and probably next to boundary have touched as many acres in the last five years as anything else. And the price of Valor drives that a lot. Valor year in and year out is a pretty inexpensive treatment. Lead off factors into this. Lead off gets a lot of attention as a fall residual. Good on ryegrass that's not resistant to the ALS herbicides. We don't have enough of that to really talk about but it can complement something like dual as the broadleaf component to that. Knowing what we know, dealing with agriculture today, it's good for folks to keep notes, keep track of where they have problems. Should they focus some of those treatment applications on their acres that they know have a historical problem, or should they talk about spraying the entire farm? We did a really poor job of that for a long time, Tom, and I've said this in front of big groups at meetings over the past few years, I did a poor job of talking about weed control with fall residuals and not talking about some of the negative implications of fall residual herbicide treatments. And well, and especially since we're kind of under a microscope in agriculture anymore. Right. Soil loss through whatever means, either water runoff and um, wind dispersal, all the rest of that. A lot of these treatments are really effective on a lot of different winter weeds. And then you get a broad spectrum mixture like Matolachlor plus Valor, and you're going to have bare ground for quite a while. There's just nothing that you can put out that's going to selectively control the ryegrass and leave everything else. So even if I put dual out at the rate that I need to put it out to control ryegrass, I'm going to have bare ground for a number of weeks, even months, depending on the weather, after that treatment. Then depending on what the weather does and the soil texture, we can get into some soil moving around. So there's implications from that, just erosion. 
But then, too, there's some logistics related to that. On lighter textured ground, we may move enough soil around to where there's no bed left come springtime. And then you've complicated management once the weather weather breaks in the spring. So the other layer to that is ryegrass seed don't persist in the soil very long. I think you can find like, you know, number that will say 18 months. And so if you really get after it pretty hard, in two or three years, you can back off that management. And I think you see guys that have done that in years past. I think right now, likely because of the poor years we had in in 18 and 19 and then ryegrass being so hard to control in those following springs combined with the good working weather that we've had in the fall the last two or three years i think guys are really dialed into the fall residuals right now but i do think we could dial that back in areas and like you said target those fields where we know we have a problem and maybe where ryegrass is not driving all the decisions maybe we can rely on more of our traditional post-emergence burn down in the spring Jason, that's really good information for this time of the year, and I think it's super important for just about everybody to consider when they're talking about managing those important weeds. Is there any additional closing information anywhere somebody may need to get more specifics on that when it comes to weed control guide or anything like that that you want to mention? Well, and all this is in the weed control guide, Tom, and naturally anybody's welcome to call me anytime and talk about it, but I'll finish where we started my recommendation is always on October the 15th, check the 10-day forecast. And if you have an imminent chance of a big rain, then you probably need to go ahead and get across as many acres as you can in the time that is allotted. If there's no rain in the forecast and your farm logistics allows it, then wait. But I can't tell you to wait if your farm logistics doesn't allow it. I'm not going to sit here and do that. That would That's counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. So, so wait as long as is practical for your farm operation, but at some point even if the weather is not right, even if it's still dry, more than likely there's going to be some acres that get treated dry. Might not be everything that you wanted it to be, but it probably won't be a complete waste either. Good stuff, man. Really appreciate the time this morning. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, Tom. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.